I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to day seven of the 2022 French Open. It is a day that is not yet done. It's around about 7.15 as we start this recording. There is a night session still to happen. It doesn't even start for about two hours, but there's a night session still to come on Philippe Chatre. There is a singles match between Lena Rabatkin and Madison Keys still going on, but we've had the majority of the day's action, certainly the action that will have an impact on the business end of the tournament as we see it. Obviously now Holger Rune and Madison Keys are going to go and win the titles and make this podcast look silly. But anyway, for now, we feel confident that we're going to be able to bring you, uh, bring you the big news stories from the day. It's, it's been a bit of a ropey flat day, to be honest, folks. We're not going to try and... Uh, we're not going to try and polish this turd for you. We're going to try and... <laughs> We're going to try and entertain you all the way through the, the turd that was today. And to help us do that, we've got Simon Briggs. I thought you were going to say it was a purist's day, Catherine. It was, it was anything but a purist's day, Simon. I don't know, did you see any purist's tennis yet today? Yeah, I, I was thinking this was a really bad idea to come over here and talk about like the, uh, the least inspiring subject matter of the fortnight. But I just thought maybe you need some help. It's a change of scene or something. We appreciate it, Simon, and we absolutely do need some help. Should we, should we talk about the fact that Igor Svantec lost quite a lot of games today? Should we lead yeah. with that? That potentially feels like the biggest story of the day. A straight sets win, but not a straightforward win. No, Matt, was that the m- most games she's lost like collectively? She lost more today than she'd lost in the whole tournament, right? Yeah, that's right. She had lost two in the first round, two in the second round, and she lost eight today. So eight. double the number of games she lost in the first two rounds combined. What went wrong? She didn't play very well. She went straight sets. What well, went that's wrong? that's it. I think genuinely, if this was someone else, we would probably be talking about how it was impressive that they won when they weren't at their best. And I think that probably does apply here as well. But just because it was so different to everything we've seen from Sviontek over the last month or so it felt quite jarring. It felt like there was a, a little problem there. And I think particularly the forehand was all over the place. You know, she lost her timing on it and she just wasn't as ruthless as she normally is. You know, okay, she got pegged back in the first set, but then she was two breaks up in the second set and you were expecting it to be 6-3, 6-1. And then suddenly she didn't win a point for 10 minutes and lost four games in a row. And you just haven't seen that from Film Tech for a long time. So it stood out, but... Yeah, she's through. What's the net takeaway from this? Is it is it positive that she was able to win in straight sets playing far from her best? You know, that's today was what would count as winning ugly for, for Iga Shontek. Ten minutes without winning a point is quite a long, awkward period of time. Or is it is it a chink in the armour that will give others in the locker room hope? I think the second, because uh, Danka Kovinic, with great respect to her, she doesn't have a massive record. I mean, I, as I remember it, she was the player who beat Emma Raducanu in, in the Australian Open. And I think that was the third, sorry, the first time she'd been to a third round of a slam. Um, I mean, she does have a lovely serve, which was quite powerful and gave Shiontek trouble on the return. But she also clearly had tennis elbow. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but she was really struggling with her arm. 
um, and sort of having to, to manipulate her, her bicep and her, her forearm in what looked quite like um, discomfort. So if it had been a bigger name or I mean, a middle-sized name, <laughs> then, then perhaps we would be saying, yeah, she, she pulled through excellently. But for me, that did sound little alarm bells that, that perhaps mentally this isn't going to be as straightforward as it had looked up to this point. Well, you, can, you, you must feel, if you're her, that... I, don't, I mean, I don't know how much notice she takes of what people say, but she'll obviously be fully aware of the, the sheer numbers involved in her streak. But she's the only top ten player left. She can kind of only lose from here. Now, that's not completely true because she can win the title, which would be amazing for her. But we all expect her to win the title anyway. So that must be a really tough position mentally to be in. You, you have to be so strong to be the overwhelming favourite like that. Particularly, I think, in her next match, will be against, which will be against 19-year-old Chinese player Zhang Chinwen, who beat a, a very injured Lise Cornet today. And we'll, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about that match in a moment. But Zhang is totally fearless. I went to her press conference today. She... She rates her game big time. She said a number of times in that press conference, I know I've got the level. Wow. Over and over again. She's completely charming. I, I spoke to Chris Clary of the New York Times, who was also in that press conference, and he actually had a, a sit-down with her yesterday. I don't think that piece has been published yet, but he was very taken with her. He said she's got bags of personality. She backs herself. And, you know, like your Leila Fernandez's and your Emma Raducanu's, these... Young players with absolutely no emotional baggage and nothing to lose. She's utterly fearless. You know, the fact that she's playing someone on a 31-match win streak, I think rather than daunt her, I, th- I think she's really excited to get even the chance of trying to be the one that breaks it. It, c- it could be interesting. Yeah, it's all completely new for her, isn't it? In the same way that it was for Fernandez, for Redicanu at the US Open. I, I was speaking to a coach uh, a couple of days ago before her win today who said that he already thought she was going right to the top, just, just looking at her game, just looking at her power. Top five, he said. Um, wow. I think she does have weapons uh, and she's very composed at the moment and uh, that, that's going to be a, a fascinating match. Yeah, and I think the combination of weapons and fearless youngster is increasingly seeming to me like the sort of player that might have a chance against Fiontech. And there are a lot of them left in the draw. You know, there's there's also Leila Fernandez. Maybe doesn't quite have the weapons, but her own competitiveness on court is kind of her weapon. And then there's Anissa Mova and there's Goff, but they're all in the other half of the draw. So I do think this next match for Fiontech is standing out as a as if she can get through this you know she's obviously in a great place anyway but this, <laughs> we were this might be the tricky one next we were reminiscing earlier today about the uh, the origins of check me out <laughs> from simon briggs we reminisce about that a lot 2019 actually. us open beers in front of him just as they are now that was the vibe though with, that was with the vibe. today yeah that those were the words i was looking for david oh, <laughs> well, that's really interesting to me i did see Zhang came on my radar simply because she beat Simona Halep. My assumption was Simona Halep was injured the way it had gone on. She later told us she'd suffered from a panic attack during that match. And I think as a result of that, I'd probably kind of almost ignored her opponent, the woman who'd won, and I didn't really watch her performance. So that's really, really interesting. I mean, crikey, we need to, we need to clue up on this young woman. I do, anyway. Well, she's very... I'm sure, as you'd expect, she's very inspired by Lena. That was what I asked her about in, in press today. And she gave such a composed composed answer. She, As I was asking the question, she was nodding along and she said, yep. And she said she, she said she gave me the dream. She said, I, I watched Lena win here when I was, was very young. I mean, she would have been scandalously young, wouldn't she? She's 19 now. Yeah. Someone do some maths. She'd have been... She'd be a child. 11? Eight. Yeah. Eight? Oh, crikey. Um bad maths um and yeah she said she gave me my dream mm, that's um, very interesting and, you know she basically said look you need need to be able to see it to to be it and it was as a result of seeing her that i'm that i'm here now the reason i brought up check me out again simon <laughs> is because it occurs to me I don't, I don't think we've had you on the podcast since Leila fernandez arrived on the scene 
Really? I'm the harbinger of, of, of teenage excellence. So, what is she? Canadian. What, how did she... I mean, obviously, your, your attentions back in September would have been primarily focused on Emiratikane. <laughs> My attention is always <laughs> focused on Emiratikane. How many did you I, do? I've written a piece in Emiratikane today, even though she went out of the tournament about 48 hours ago. <laughs> I only discovered Kinwen's name about three weeks ago when I was looking up other teenagers so I could compare them to Emiratikane. <laughs> so right. My entire world is in a prism Okay, I do remember about a week's worth of previews of the, of the US Open with uh, Emiratikane in them back then. But Leila Fernandez, what, what are your impressions of her? Are you... We obviously haven't spoken to you since since she had that run, and, and your focus would have been on Raducanu. But Fernandez, what did you make of her? Yeah, I mean, I've seen her a little bit this this week, and and, and the way that she's moving, and the way that she's taking the ball so early, and the way that she's dictating without power, but with uh, that urgency, and, and and the amazing direction she gets off her forehand, just seems to have the ball on a total string. Um, does remind me a little bit of, of, of the US Open. Uh, her results are clearly much better than Emma's have been, which one might almost have picked that <laughs> perhaps afterwards because it probably is less of a massive change to digest. Um, and, you know, she's, what, 25 in the world, probably on the race this year, something like that. Oh, Simon's into the race. El race, Simon. Yeah. That's what it is in Spanish. They're, they're quite... <laughs> yeah, they're quite... Dis- uh, what's the The context is very um, disrupted by the points that they both got in that slightly freakish tournament last yeah. year, the one with the weird balls, as Craig Tizzler would tell us. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think that's why I've been looking at the race, and also because of all, all the Emiratikanoing I've been doing this, this, uh, this week in terms of previews. Yes. Um, just quickly before we move on from Jeanne Chimwen, her, her match today against Elise Cornet, in which Elise Cornet was very clearly injured she didn't win a game love and three it was before she retired from the match extremely awkward Elise Corne heard some boos from her home fans oh dear um, and had some things to say about that in her into the French media afterwards Matt yeah she described the French support as surprising <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, always, not just today, always. And she was really unhappy, you know. She felt it was disrespectful. She said it was worse than the injury, almost. It was making her feel worse than the fact that she wasn't able to compete today, which is pretty horrible. I mean, I've, as you know, I've been utterly in love with the French crowds this this last week because I've never encountered them before here. Um, I haven't seen that yet. This is, I, I mean, over the years, I've watched it on TV where... The crowd will. I remember a Sebastian Grosjean match once where they they were so outraged at a call that had gone against him and a refusal from an umpire to overrule it that they started booing and whistling. And because Grosjean wouldn't tell them to shush, they refused to shush, and it just went on for several minutes. Um, and at, and at times you think these people are out of order. Like this is just proper disorder now. Um, but in the stadium. I just haven't experienced that today. I was watching the uh, the, the qualifier today, Jean Jean, over on um, Longland at the start of the day, and she's love five down. She gets out of her seat and she's greeted like this returning hero, and they're trying to do everything they can to lift her. And I, th- and I can see no wrong at this point with with the the French crowd. But I guess that's the other side that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, I, think I was about to say the same thing. It is the first time they've manifested this kind of uh, two-faced uh, quality <laughs> that they have, the ability to turn on the sixpence. They can be loving you one minute, and then you just have to make, make one like low-effort point, and suddenly they're right on your case. And it's, it is a classic. They, they really do watch very closely, but they're also so opinionated. They have a real character. It's one of the the unique things about this tournament so it's about time that you got to, a chance to observe it yes I think Daniil Medvedev has found his natural home hasn't he energy crowd energy wise yeah. the, the dream is the dream has been restored by Paris I do I want think. I do want to see him take them on at some point because today it was all very jolly he was so good and he was absolutely destroying Miamir Katsmanovic and then there was one moment deep in the third set when he walked up to a uh, a line call circled it umpire came down they had a chat about it he wouldn't accept it he kept going and then the crowd got fed up with this and they started to go Boo! and he was like oh, 
calm down, you know, like this to them. And, and they did. <laughs> so he got them eaten out of his hand. I think but, they love him here. But I was thinking, and I think they do, but just imagine if you played Hugo Gaston and Gaston was whipping the crowd up and Medvedev didn't like it. Imagine, I want to see that. The thing is, though, Medvedev is also playing very, very good tennis. Playing brilliant tennis. Do we need to call a sort of emergency mid-tournament meeting is Medvedev in the mix? Because he was definitely not at the start of the tournament. But the, the thing is, he's absolutely in the mix for the final. I think, I think it's the same question as, is anybody from the bottom half of the draw in the mix? For me, he's put himself just behind Sitsipas in that bottom half of the draw. And I, I'm starting to think that Sitsipas medvedev semi-final will happen. Yeah. And I know it's clay. I know Sitsipas would be the favourite going in. But Medvedev loves playing Sitsipas, generally speaking. He would have a chance in that. Sitsipas was brilliant today. Not not well, the stiffest it, it, opposition. It yeah. was exactly the opponent he wanted today. Mm. He knows Emma from the juniors, and he was really in his in his second round against Kolar. He didn't know that opponent at all, and I think he found that difficult. Whereas Emma, he knows his game, and Emma, he's athletic. But he doesn't have the weapons to hurt Sitsipas, and Sitsipas was looking like the clay court Sitsipas we know, bossing the rallies and just way too good. And it was exactly the match he needed after eight hours on court in the first two rounds he just got it done I'm sure it was under two hours today it was exactly what Sitsipas needed Emma yeah. uh, sneaked past a, a very sick Dan Evans yes. in the previous round he's had a pretty poor season um, and his forehand isn't really up to the standards you need against Sitsipas who sometimes the players say has the best forehand don't they yes they do yeah um, I mean, Riley Apelko it's not very spectacular that. when you watch it and yet it's lethal and it's so accurate. So uh, that was always going to be a, a pretty one-sided match. I mean, for me, Medvedev was playing chess today. I mean, that's possibly a sort of Russian cliche. He's, he's sort of two steps ahead of his opponent. But I just wonder, uh, coming up against a player of, of uh, sort of greater weaponry and ordnance, then he's, he's, he's probably not going to be able to apply those lovely touches and, and the, those awkward places in the court if he's coming up against somebody with a really big ball. That's my concern. I would say that whoever comes through that bottom half, okay, if it's one of those two, they'd be in the mix because the top half of the draw are just going to destroy each other. And by the time they get to the final, they're so going to be in the right mix. So they're in your mix? Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah, I'm not quite there yet. I wanted to bring it up because I think there's a conversation to be had now, but I think I agree with Simon that there are much bigger clay court tests ahead of him and... If he beats Sitsipas and did make it through, I would give him a shot in the final. But I'm still not convinced he'll make it out is he, of that Is he in Hercatch's bit? Cause, cause, um... Well, he's in Hercatch's half, but uh, he would be... A se- he would To play Hercatch, Hercatch would have to beat Sitsipas. That would be ah. the quarterfinal, Hercatch, Sitsipas. Hercatch hasn't lost serve yet this tournament. He's looking pretty good, isn't he? I mean, I know he played Goffin and Goffin wasn't 100% fit today, but... But Catch hasn't done this here before. I think the He's thing is one. that he does look pretty good until he plays someone better. I think that is sort of Hercatch's thing. Mm. If anybody else would like to propose another thing, well, he, has, he, he did beat Medvedev at the at Wimbledon this year, last year, didn't he? But and he's had his Miami run. But I know what you mean. I don't necessarily trust Hercatch to sustain that level against the best players. Hercatch will likely play Casper uh, Rude next, who's currently a set and a break up on Lorenzo Sonigo. Uh, Stefano uh, Sitsipas will play the winner of tonight's match between Holger Rune and uh, Ugo Gaston, which is going up against the football. <laughs> um, down at the bottom of the draw, Daniil Medvedev faces Marin Cilic now, who ended Gilles Simon's French Open career today and was the only participant in his episode of This Is Your Life. <laughs> well, in comparison to Songa, that was, that was like a, a sort of a, a, a single rather than a, a double album, wasn't it? It was, it was over in, in a blink. Um, 
they, and, and possibly a relief <laughs> for some viewers as well. I, I think they really wanted him to lose in the first round on Simon Mathieu, so there wasn't the sort of direct visual comparison. comparison. You know, it was the exact same court, the weather was the same, it was all in the same place, it was just shitter for Gilles Simon. <laughs> it was the same trophy, little trophy thing, which is really classy. It's a it's a little cross section of the of the court that they give them with the clay and top dressing on on top and then goodness knows what geology is beneath that my dad's going to text me now when he listens to this and tells me exactly <laughs> tell me exactly what geology is beneath it that's a really nice touch Emily Moresmo was there it was all lovely and had there not been the direct comparison three days ago of everyone Joe Fratonga's ever met coming out with custom-made t-shirts with his face on it would have felt lovely today <laughs> <laughs> but nobody had any T-shirts with Gilles Simon's face on. I think Songa set a dangerous precedent now because he's a very, very fine player, but he's not won a slam. So now we're getting one of these, you know, the, the, the big three-stroke, big four. When, they, when they're going to retire, they're going to have to go bigger than Joe Wilfred Songa. Well, that's, they're going to have to book an entire session of court time <laughs> for, for the uh, interviews and, and the uh, send-off. I mean, there's an argument to say that Roger Fenter invented an entire tournament to enable that he could uh, have the perfect send-off. Well, the, the Labour Cup. Yeah. Well, that's going to go on for 10 years, though, so he can, he can do it. He can do it right. uh, I think he'll still be playing when he's 50. The Simon match was, you know, obviously it was, a no, it was no contest, but the fact that it followed Cornet meant, meant that there was a period in the day there where French players on Chatre lost 21 games in a row. It was an awkward time. <laughs> and there wasn't a lot going on elsewhere, no. was there? It was a really... It's been it a, a really rubbish day, really, period of the day. Well, I'm having the time of my life, but today was <laughs> bloody awful. Um, on the court, I mean, we're having a lovely time with our strawberries uh, and beer around the table. I'm, I'm aware we've still got uh, matches in the women's draw still to cover, but, w- but while we've deviated to the men, let's stay there. Yannick Sinner and Andre Rublev have set up a fourth-round match, which I don't know what to expect from those sorts of match-ups. They're so similar, Sinner yeah. and Rublev, aren't they? I mean, it's, it's not going to be a variety fest, that one. It's going to be a PlayStation game. Mm. Well, I saw the doctor or the, the physio come on in the second set, but I wasn't quite clear for Sinner yeah. what he was knee problem. needing. Was it knee? Yeah, well, he, he's got this heavy sort of tape around the bottom of his kneecap right. and looks like it's sort of holding it up or something. Um, and then the trainer came out again and had consultations with him but oh why I felt for his opponent Mackenzie McDonald in this match because McDonald was the dominant player in the second set and he had 11 set points and he still lost it I don't think I've ever seen a player have 11 set points in one set and lose it and and one of them was a, a, a forehand drive volley when his opponent was hopelessly out of court and he got the whole court to hit into cross court, so he's got all this space, and he hit it straight back to him, <laughs> and just got past. It and seemed then... to take hours because I, I was I was writing my Emiratikani piece inevitably, <laughs> and, and every time I looked up, it was like uh, there'd been one more game added to Sinner's total, and it was sort of fifteen minutes between every time I looked up. It was a really painful reverse for for poor old um, McDonald. He must have thought he was over the line, and it took him hours to lose that set. <laughs> Yes, it was 92 minutes, the second set, and there were more than half of the points in the match were played in the second set. That's just about as long a set as I've yeah. heard of, yeah, to be honest, it was, apart from, it was you know, f- final sets that, you know, played to mm. 12 or whatever. And, I mean, is Sinner really good in big moments? You know, we've talked this year about the fact that he's won so many matches from match point down... He saved all those set points today, or is it a little bit Kane Shikori's fifth set record, which is sort of boosted by the fact that he shouldn't be in those situations anyway? I, I can't quite tell. I don't feel like we've seen Sinner in enough really big match occasions, and by that I mean kind of where he is now in the draw, second week of Grand Slams against the biggest players, because I just I just haven't got a grip yet of what of how good Sinner is, really. He, he sort of yeah. does what he's supposed to, but I don't know. I don't I don't trust him to power his way through this half of the draw, which is kind of the way he's talked about by some people, as having that potential. I was talking to my friend at Golden Set Analytics about Alcaraz, and he was saying that the great thing about Alcaraz 
is that he plays every point the same, which is a, a hallmark of, of the very, very best. Whereas a lot of other people, when they're not under the pump, they can doze off a little bit. Mm. And if you're winning those, those um, points when you're down, set point, break point, because you're lifting your level, then that means that you've maybe not sort of been on it in, in, in those longers, let's say, in the middle of a set. I mean, sets do, even if they're not 91 minutes, they, they are, they, it's a long time to keep your concentration and uh, maybe that's an issue for him. David has a packing for a trip analogy for, for what you've just described. Do I? <laughs> yeah, you said it on the podcast the other day. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes, the deadline bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you pe- never... pe- people that can only get their arse in gear when they've got a deadline looming. Every journalist that I know, <laughs> including me. Is that true? Is oh, that... God, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, uh, every wife of every journalist I know is pretty sick of dealing with it, I think. Just get on with it now while you've still got six hours to go. Were you like that in school? Um, yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, so maybe I was destined for this bizarre life before I even what, left. What's your Radicanu piece about? Uh, more people talking about Emma Raducanu. I've told you, this is how I live my life. I'm a total prism. <laughs> is, it, is that good? Is it good knowing that you, there's always something, that you, you know, you can always reach for something Emma Raducanu related rather than thinking, oh my God, I might have to write about Hubert Hercatch today. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good and bad, isn't it? Because uh, there, there is always somebody out there willing to give me a quote on Emma Raducanu. On the other hand, it is something of a monoculture at the moment. We even had a... We even had a Telegraph Saturday magazine piece, uh, sort of a 4,000 word that dropped yesterday. Not by me, I hasten to add. Rehashing um, her entire is, life. That is a lot of words. <laughs> it was a massive one. Yeah, Guy Kelly wrote it. Um, I, did, I gave him a briefing before he went to interview her while she had her hair and makeup done um, for an advert. Um, so it would have been a six weeks, six or eight weeks ago. I don't know about the timing. It's slightly unfortunate that it landed just about two days after one of a, a less satisfactory defeat. But but never I mind. Suppose when you've won the US Open the way she has in front of a national audience, the way she did, to to that audience, it's basically all a free hit for the next few months I mean, until Wimbledon. Really, Wimbledon when she turns up, if she were to lose early mm. there. Those viewers, the the 10 million that were watching Catherine present the coverage on Channel 4, they're the ones that will then say, oh, okay, well, well, I thought she was good. Because that's what it's like. The level of of interest in her does seem to be unquenchable unquenchable in our country. They're possibly not for your (laughs) non-British listeners. So I I feel a bit guilty now that I've I've now sidetracked you back onto the Radicani track. That's when everyone everyone got sick of it. It's my fault. But uh, it's a bit like that. Um, isn't there a Norse legend about the uh, the drinking horn that's connected to the oceans? Um, if there is, you might be the only person among us who knows it. Simon. Yeah, I think Loki has has, a, has his trick horn, and he, and he invites people to have drinking contests with him. But his his drinking horn is connected to the oceans, and therefore replenishes itself no matter how much you drink. Is that Tom Hiddleston? Pardon? Loki. Oh yes, it is. Yes. Well, that's a bit of a different one. That's Marvel Loki. That's very down market from, from North, <laughs> North mythology Loki. I assume the, I assume the Marvel Loki is a, some sort of reference to the North. Catherine, mi- I don't. I'm Catherine, really I was thinking the same. Oh right, thank, thank you for. De- I'm not. I've not even seen those films. So I've managed to debase myself. I don't even know that one. So, um, what else have you? I've been very off topic here, but what, it, what? it is a quiet day. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping 
and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. What else have you been uh, writing about, well, Simon? It's kind of Groundhog Day again for me because I'm also doing the Russia Row story for the umpteenth day in a row and I did actually ask Daniel Medvedev about the four Russian winners who came on in the middle of the afternoon and, and whether he uh, was exchanging messages of congratulation and whether they were almost let's say knotting together in support of each other amid this kind of hostility from from uh, some parts of the tennis world but he answered it with typical grace and tact and said well I, uh, I congratulate everybody who wins and that's the great thing about tennis we're all um, one big community, which you know he does with it very well. You, you reported about potential legal action a couple of days ago from from Wimbledon. Yeah, I did. I mean, it was partly in response to stories in other papers that I felt we had to keep up with. But I don't see it happening. I think if they went down that road, then it would be the beginning of a of a suit and countersuit type scenario that would just leave everybody impoverished and exhausted and miserable. Uh, and they probably do realise that. Uh, what I'm hearing right now is that there's a big push to maybe c- make something positive out of this fiasco, and everyone's almost so ashamed of themselves that there could be a move towards a T7 supervisory board. Uh, that wouldn't change anything for Wimbledon, but that would be a show of unity beyond Wimbledon? Yeah, that it could, it could improve the um, United uh, tennis concept, but also it could perhaps come with a climb down on rankings points. I mean, remember that players in the wider player group belonging to both tours have, in their numbers, criticised the loss of rankings points. And remember that it is definitely going to make it a, 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 an impact on the tournament. Now, one very interesting tweet was John Wertheim's point about how people are cancelling their bookings in Wimbledon the big private houses that players tend to reserve at great expense let's say before they go and they're cancelling those not because they're not going to Wimbledon but because they're going to go at the last minute and they're going to see how it goes this is a this is actually best encapsulated by John Isner's quote where he said I'm just going to turn up on Saturday maybe see how it goes on Monday and and we're just not going to be that fussed about it all you know I just, I think it's all going to be a little bit meh if people continue to play for no ranking points and I think that there will be a solution sought for and perhaps this this United T7 board could give everybody a bit of a fig leaf and a bit, a bit of something to, to put forward and say well we're making the best of a bad situation and we're actually going to undo some of the worst ideas of the last week or two we were chatting to Mary Carrillo the other day about the sort of the knock-on effects, the unintended consequences of a situation like this and decisions such as those that have been made. And, you know, she was referencing how it might possibly affect ESPN, who, of course, have the US, US rights to Wimbledon and how many people they deploy onto the coverage and that sort of thing. We'd, is Wimbledon so sacred, slash Emma Raducanu so sacred, that provided Andy Murray's there and Emma Raducanu's there, this couldn't possibly impact you know the the level of resources that the telegraph and other papers deploy or could you see a scenario where that is impacted somewhat by the potential mehness that you've just described 
Well, from a newspaper perspective, I think it's going to have that advantage of uniqueness and weirdness. I mean, that's always a positive for a reporter. I mean, the great uh, challenge coming to work in a, when you are a dedicated sports correspondent is make it one day different from the next. And this will be a very different Wimbledon. So I don't think that's going to be a problem for us. But well, that's quite different, isn't it, to broadcast, where it's not really about making it different, it's about making it sparkle. I was talking to Aki again, just to just to mention her, the Japanese writer, and she was saying that, you know, due to Naomi Osaka's quotes, that she might not be at Wimbledon. And I said, would that impact you as a freelance Japanese writer? And she said, well, maybe, but actually the opportunity to cover a kind of unique Wimbledon without any ranking points, that would be news in, in itself, and that would be an interesting angle for a writer as well. So I suppose... As Simon says, it, it adds, it takes something away, but it adds something else. When, when you get to finals day, Simon, and the, and the trophies are on the line, would it impact the top line in any way in terms of its well, credibility? You'd have to put a paragraph in high, wouldn't you, just to, to log this. Even though there are no, no rankings points at stake, this will still be a, a, a memorable moment for XYZ. Could even, as we know, be Novak Djokovic's uh, crowning glory in a sense if he uh, takes that um, 20... 21st if he wins the next one and then in 22nd what, if, if he I'm, win, I'm, I'm assuming he, he's winning it. Right? If he wins this one. <laughs> oh, hold on, are you assuming oh, Novak Djokovic oh. wins Roland Garros? Yes. I always assume Novak Djokovic wins. That, that, you know, that's my default <laughs> position. Um, That's there's, a, very interesting. there's a mix of one and a half when, I, when I'm around. It's okay, so so you, he's he's in the worst possible section of the draw. He's got to mm. beat, assuming he beats Diego Schwartzman, he's got to beat Rafael Nadal, who's starting to look a bit like Rafael Nadal, mm. and then he might have to beat Alcaraz just to get to the blooming final. Yeah, I mean, I could be I could be barking up the wrong tree. I mean, I, I watched Rafa. I watched pretty much the whole of Rafa on Longland. Uh, yesterday, just because I thought, I don't know when I'll maybe have, have, next have a chance to sit so close to the court and and kind of uh, soak it up. And he was quite poor for the last 25 minutes, but the rest was excellent. Um, he says he got tight, didn't he? he gets, he's, I mean, that has been a feature of these latter years of his career, that he gets extremely tight trying to close out matches. And it's it's fascinating and I mean that is an age thing I suppose isn't it but the fact that it even affects you know 21 time grand grand slam winner is amazing what's your view Simon on if that quarter final happens when it will be scheduled because to me that is so crucial in the, trying to determine it's the outcome fascinating it's a, it's a total head to head isn't it and uh, reminiscent of that Wimbledon roof situation uh, from a couple of years ago that caused so much stink among the respective fan Wh- base which one was that it was the 2018 semi-final where they played the first three hours of the match, the first three sets, under the roof on the Friday night because Kevin Anderson and John Isner had gone on 26-24 in the fifth set. Um, and then there was a controversial decision to keep the roof closed when they came back on the Saturday on a lovely, bright, sunny day. And obviously the feeling was that that favoured Novak Djokovic and Nadal wouldn't want the roof closed and in the end Novak Djokovic won the match. And it was incredibly, incredibly close so so if Mm. there was like a a 0.2% differential which there totally would have been then you can see that that could have made a difference and uh, the the argument was if you start a match in a certain Mm. conditions then you must finish it and it totally hasn't been borne out in any other situation before or since. No. It's quite random. Do we read anything into the fact that tomorrow, Sunday, so the next time they all in that top half of the the men's draw play, obviously they've been juggling this situation all tournament with the fact that you've got three huge men's draws, drawers in, you know, draw card, um, in the top half of the draw and only two men's slots available on Chatteria and one of those is considered, conditions-wise, undesirable. Um certainly by Rafael Nadal well tomorrow they've put Djokovic on long lane he's got the long lane gig Alcaraz is in the night session and Nadal has his much coveted third in the day session spot do we read anything into that does it mean anything for what they might do on Tuesday is it possible that Djokovic requested long lane I've heard that posited as a scenario I do 
really have an answer. I mean, all I would say just from my Longland experience was I just sat there and thinking this crowd is completely in love with Rafa. And I don't remember that being the case in the middle of his glory years because it everyone wasn't. got a bit fed up with there was Nadal fatigue. There was Nadal fatigue from the fans and from the tournament, definitely. There was, there was a year here around about 2013 where they scheduled him he was obviously defending champion because he always was um, they scheduled him first match on Longland he opened his title defence on on Longland there was massive Rafa fatigue and that is evaporated and then some I think there's this real sense of this guy's incredible our our history and fabric of this tournament is so wedded to him we must treasure him and while make, he's here. And make them, yeah, make the most of him while we got him. That's why I was out there, to be honest. And yeah. I was watching one woman in the front row who was staring at him and then only looked up when the ball went forward. And he just, it was like in between points, she just watched him constantly. It was like she was like trying to get her Rafa quota for the rest of her life. And it's one afternoon on Longland. She probably thought she was actually in the front row, so she thought, I'm going to cash in today. And it just... The, the affection for him was amazing and it is something that happens to athletes at the end of their, their careers if they have a little bit of dip of popularity and let's, uh, let's say nothing to do with Rafa's behaviour it's always been terrific Just he was so good that he did bore people for a while and, and we know if he pops up at the football tonight that means he had a good practice today and he's feeling physically good because that's what he that's what he told us in press yesterday yes I've got my tickets I intend to go but only if I practice well if he's not there I'm trying to think what I will do. I will get a prediction right if he's not there. I'm telling you. He's basically <laughs> saying to Felix Auger Eliassim, I'm not feeling good, isn't it? If he's not at the football tonight. Yeah, but he's going to be there. Uh, should we just <laughs> deal with these other, these other women's results that we've had today before we get sidetracked once again, which I'm already excited about? Jessica Bagula uh, won her match today over last year's semi-finals, Tamara Zidanecek, on her first match point. <laughs> Hooray! That's, that's well a double done, win, isn't Jessica. it? So I think she's now up to 19 for the tournament, but across three matches. And, and she has significant ramifications for Emma Raducanu's top 10 chances. <laughs> 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 that's the only thing I was thinking about with that match. Emma Raducanu corresponded over here. <laughs> yes, because Jessica Vagula is now likely to get into the top 10. Yes, and like, I, likely to mean that Emma Raducanu is not top 10 after right. this tournament. Not that I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jessica Pagula will play uh, Arena. Incidentally, Zudantec going out means that all four of last year's women's semi-finalists are now gone. Um, Arena Camelia Begu will be Pagula's next opponent. She uh, she behaved herself today and beat the aforementioned Leolia Jean-Jean. Um, I'm interested to see if Jean-Jean pops up again or whether she was just one of those, you know, curious, fun, compelling Roland Garros stories, you know, Trungaliti style. I hope she does because she she plays nice tennis. I mean, she looked absolutely overwhelmed. Six one five one it was at one point. Then she started to mount this comeback, and you can just imagine what it was like. And she couldn't quite get there. Won three games in a row, but I hope so because she's a good story, you know. And she's uh, she's got a roundabout way of getting to the point she is, but she's mixed it now with with this company. Hopefully, she can take something from that. Veronica Kudamatova is uh, is also into the second week of this French Open. Now, she beat Paola Bedosa today via retirement. Paola Bedosa retiring at moments after David arrived not, on the Suzanne Longland. At the exact moment. <laughs> yes. I poked my head out of Longland Media Seats Tunnel, saw Matt, said, Hi, Matt, walked over. Ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> <laughs> Paula Vanessa has been forced to retire in French um, Matt you'd been sat there for, for the whole match was it unexpected was this knee injury something she carried onto court she, she lost the first set was that a fair and square first set loss what was going on out there it was odd um, she started the match really well she was two love up had break points for a double break didn't take it and then there were four or five extremely competitive games that you know went to several deuces and she had lots of chances to win them but didn't and Kudamatova started to get the ascendancy in the rallies and in the points and you know Balossa was hitting the ball really well but she wasn't having any impact she wasn't opening up the court she was mainly just hitting it through the middle and Kudamatova was was quite happy to trade and rally and kind of had the better of the match and then at 5-2 to Kudamatova in the first set Balossa went over to the umpire and said 
can I have the trainer, you know, at the next change of ends? And trainer came out, saw to her knee, took a medical timeout. She started the second set, fell down a break and retired there, there and then on the spot. So it was a bit odd. I would have to see her press conference transcript to know whether it was something she came onto court with or not. But it seemed to me like maybe she did it or worsened it during that first set. And, yeah, it's another, it's another setback, really, for her, isn't it? Because she was, you know, I thought, I thought that win the other day against Kaya Yuvan was really impressive and it felt like such a confidence boost. She said that herself, didn't she? But, you know, she's not been able to make the kind of progress in this tournament that she would have been hoping for. I really don't think we've seen her at her physical peak since she won that Sydney title. OK, she hasn't been necessarily injured, but she's looked sort of strangely gassed in the latter stages of, of matches since then. You know, remember that victory she scored over Marta Kostiuk in that gruelling match at the Australian Open and then she lost the match after that quite limply and one-sidedly and that was coming in in the form of her life and since then she just hasn't looked quite right and I actually had a, a very brief chat with um, your friend of mine, Pam Shriver, about this earlier and she just said, well... Her career transformed so much around about a year ago. That was when she had her glow-up as a tennis player. I mean, she first really came to my attention in Madrid last year when she reached that semi-final. I know she'd had results in Charleston before that, but basically she transformed around about a year ago. And that means she's been... When you win more matches, you play more matches. You know, the number of matches she's been playing on tour... Her tour playing life has looked completely different for the last 12 months and her body will need to catch up with that and get used to that as will her mind because mm. it's it's a culture shock really to to transform your world in a good way i mean it's wonderful but it's not it's not what she'd been used to and i think the problem is i still think that this this thing about the ranking is 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 relevance that you know you when you're coming up you're you don't have to have that many good results for your ranking to keep going up. And then you reach a point where you have to really be winning tournaments for it to go up anymore. And I think that, that just psychologically that's not that easy. All I can add to this is that I was talking to Nick Brown, who used to coach Sviontek when she won the junior Wimbledon title, and he said that he'd watched Sviontek and Bedosa going hammer and tongs at each other on the day before the tournament in a practice that was so intense. He said he'd not seen anybody practice at that level of attack since Graf 30 years ago and he thought that was like a very good time for Shante but maybe it wasn't such a good idea for Bedotha if she was feeling uh, miles in her legs she needs to stop playing really well the week before Grand Slams and start playing well when you've predicted her to win yeah, the tournament absolutely um, <laughs> Veronica Kudamatova awaits the winner of, of the match still to be decided between Madison Keys and Elena Rabakina they have just split sets over on Simone Mathieu tomorrow's schedule looks thus starting on Chatrier with Fernandez against Anisimova oh hello I will be there what time's 11 that 11am no, midday. Midday. Matt, midday, Matt. Matt will be there in bed. <laughs> but Matt Excellent. will be there at 11 because be he, he wants to make sure. <laughs> uh, then we have Elisa Mertens and Coco Goff. I, I feel weirdly confident in Coco Goff all of a sudden. Not necessarily she's going to win the tournament, that she, but she will win that match. Do at least what she's supposed to do and maybe a bit more. What's that? Well, she's. she's that, that was such a David <laughs> well, thing look, to say. I mean, she's the high ranked player. Okay, so what's she going to do? And yet, that's probably quite a tricky match. Uh, Hang on, I'm just looking at the draw. Who would she play? I've got got her in the final. Yeah, I think I've I've backed Anison over. But I I don't know. I don't know. She might might do it. Uh, Then we have Felix Auger-Aliassime against Rafael Nadal. And the night session tomorrow, Carlos Alcaraz against Karen Hatchinov. Uh, Longlen starts with Martina Trevisan against Alexander Sasnovic. Then it's Novak Djokovic, the world number one against Diego Schwartzman. I might do a Simon Briggs and try and get a close-up look yeah. at Djokovic there on on Longlen. Not yeah. because I think he's retiring anytime soon, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's an opportunity to watch him very up close. Wow, yeah. And you can stay on for Alexander Zverev against Bernard Bernabe Zapata Miraez, Matt. Or Double header. I, or I could not. 
Up to you. We'll see. We'll let you know tomorrow what Matt decides. At least Matt knows how to say his name. I butchered it um, yesterday. What's his name again? Bernabe Zapata Miralles. That's the one. Uh, and then it's Jill Teichman against Sloane Stevens, which I think could be a corker. And that's it for singles action. Yeah, it ha- goes Han- down to just the two courts. Hannah from on Twitter tomorrow. said, Oh, look how small it looks, the order of play. No. I mean, there's doubles, obviously, and we'll, you know, we will talk about that. But it, this is the stage where it suddenly, suddenly gets very, very serious, doesn't it? One, one thing while we've got you, Simon, that I wanted to talk about, something that we spoke about on a pod a few nights ago. It must have been whatever day it was Emma Raducanu lost, which I'm sure you, is tattooed about your person somewhere. Um, <laughs> we, we were talking about our difficulty in talking about her losses because... We feel a certain, potentially misguided, but whether it's misguided or not, we feel it, a certain responsibility to kind of correct the sort of Twitter mob of completely predictable morons that say the things that they say about Emma Raducanu every time she loses. Oh, she was rubbish. She was a flash in the pan. You know, she's her forehand's rubbish. All the rest of it. not quite sure what my question is here. Do you feel that same responsibility to sort of to be positive about her or to at least try and be positive about her? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like the players who sometimes take social media and, and extend it to the media on the, who are professional and, and, and confuse the two. I think generally it has been pretty... Uh, respectful and proportionate and contextualised ever since uh, she won the US Open. It's so difficult because if you're in the sport, you knew that that it wasn't going to be an easy year for her. But if you're not, then you're naturally expecting her to do stuff. And it doesn't help when um, you know there's some of the headlines that get put on everybody's pieces, including mine. You know, it can be extremely inflating, very very tire pumping. Um, and, and that just translates into this, this, this impossible level of expectation. But, I mean, I, I did notice that, that press conference was unbelievably kind to her. And I, and I did put a sentence in my piece saying, Joe Conta might have been looking on thinking, how does this girl get away with it? Bloody hell. <laughs> they, they, they would have been asking me six times why I didn't, you know, cut down my armed forces account. But... <laughs> uh, you know that, that's 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 the time that she deserves, and, and and the time that she's earned. You know, particularly with her fast start in the game. Can I just ask, as a final point, what what story are you looking forward to writing this next week? What do you think is what would be the best story for you out of out of everything that's left in the tournament? Yeah, probably Alcaraz, wouldn't it? I mean, uh... what, what's the cut through on Alcaraz in the UK? Yeah, I haven't seen it really. I mean, I did, I did a piece about his drop shot before the tournament, which I think sank without trace, a bit like the drop shot. Yeah, but we, um, we can bring it back for the rest of the tournament yeah. when he reaches... We can repurpose it when yeah, he wins the ex- tournament. exactly. Pop a new photo on it. It's one of those sort of big productions with lots of graphics and everything. Do we need to put a link in the show notes? <laughs> oh, yes. It's a good piece. I enjoyed it. So he needs to win something to have the cut through. He needs to win one of these. Yeah, it's always the same, isn't it? I mean, it's a little bit like that for even Cameron Norrie, British number one. I mean, he's poor lad hasn't gone past the third round of a major, and until he does that, he still remains a pretty tough sell back home. Mm. It's all about the slams. But Djokovic is going to win it anyway, says Simon. Djokovic is going to win it anyway. Is that, that, that's just a reflexive thing, is it? Or do you actually... Is he actually your pick? Have even you seen what you've seen in this tournament? I just thought, you know, Rafa, physically, is he going to be able to cope? Alcaraz, I don't think mentally he'll be able to cope. Novak, does he have any weakness? <laughs> nope. Shontek? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think she'll probably do it. But I mean, I, I, she was bloody wobbly today, and um, she can't afford to keep on doing that. Somebody could come up the, the the other half of the draw with no expectation on them and take her out, quite possibly. And can we also say that uh, Simon's revealed figures to us over the last fortnight <laughs> that tell us that tennis is in a good place in the Telegraph world. Yeah, we've been uh, high-ranking uh, on the on the list of Telegraph uh, most popular pieces in the last in the last twelve months. The data is in. High-ranking. It's a landslide, Simon. <laughs> Maybe we've had something to do with it. Pumping up Simon's no, no, tyres. No, no. I, 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 I can't. I can't blow my own trumpet. You just have to. Uh, <laughs> David's blowing ours. I am. <laughs> just have to take my word that, it, that tennis is going gangbusters. 
Hey, we got that in there, Simon. <laughs> we always have gangbusters in the podcast when Simon's on. Um, right, I think that I think that's all topics just about covered. Yeah, there's a party about who, stuff. Who needs, get, uh, get who needs great tennis to talk about, hey? <laughs> I mean, let's please have some great tennis tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, but yeah, I think we've, uh, we've filled the void. And I think what we're experiencing here is the pre-Hugo Gaston slash pre-Champions League final fun times. Yeah. We're right in the midst of it, folks. Um, and it, it, it is fun times, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's brilliant this tournament. Good. How it's come great. you lot never told me how good this is? I think we might have mentioned it once or twice (laughs) anyway anyway it's great to be here thank you to friends of the pod for allowing us to be here i know i say it a lot but we really couldn't be more grateful make sure you sign up to matt's newsletter i've been i've been privy to the stat oh i'm excited it's very very good it's um it's a continuation it's a continuation of a theme it's a continuation of a a very seeds going out very good do like a theme Mm. So sign yeah, up. so make sure you sign up for that. Uh, we have our mascots, of course. David's, uh, David and Darwin's hopes for the day still very much hang in the balance because uh, David and Darwin, Darwin, I don't know if you know about this, but you have, you have picked Madison Keys. No, you haven't. You've picked Rebecca. Oh, have you? Yeah. Well, to be honest, they're on serve in the deciding set, so <laughs> could, could go either way. Doesn't really matter. Um, I've got Carter, and uh, Carter and I backed Hubert Hercatch. Oh, and that God. went well for us today. And Matt backed David Goffin. Sorry. Oh, Matt, what has gone on there? He was playing so well. <laughs> yeah, well. I got sucked in when he said, I think I can go deep in this tournament. You're sitting too close to me, aren't you? Uh, Matt, of course, is sponsored by the dearly departed Gerald the Cat. We have Cooper, our tournament mascot. Hello to Cooper and hello to Drew and David, who are in our midst, I think, here in Paris. Drew and David, Cooper's owners. We have our executive producers and top blokes, Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner. And we have shout-outs, Matt. We do. We have Susan Ramsey in Scotland. All right, Susan. Susan writes to us every now and again. Always happy to receive an email from Susan. I hope she says nice things. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Any tennis Lovely. Susans, Simon? Uh, Sarandon? <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> She's a good player. Can we just say, Su- can we extend to Suzanne, maybe? Yes. For Longlin? Given we're in France. Who had a nice picture next to the statue of today? We also have Jim Session in Melbourne. Right, Jim. Oh, hello. I saw Jim Curry yesterday from a distance. Well, this Jim says, I hold an undefeated record on court three at Melbourne Park. One win from one match in an under-16s tournament. It's a nice court, court three. It's a nice court. Good record as well, 100%. Well done, Jim. Courier is the only tennis gym I can think of. I know a couple of others. Jim Grab. Do you remember Jim Grab? Nope. Nope. Oh dear, dear. Renneberg and Grab. The listeners are all going, yes, David, I know who you mean. Don't listen G- to them. Jim Grab relived. I'm coming to absolutely nowhere near you. I will soon. never forget John McEnroe and Michael Stick against Jim Grab and Richie Renneberg on the day after the Wimbledon final because of rain. And they let everybody in for free, and it was about 1917 in the fifth set. It was amazing. Something strange has happened to David. I've got that on video somewhere. I'm going to go and get that out. The last one is Emmett Stanton from Baltimore, which, as he points out, is the birthplace of Pam Shriver. Hey! Hooray for Pam, hooray for Emmett. Was it Emmett that messaged us on Instagram earlier and said that the only other time in his career that Marin Cilic has beaten Gilles Simon, he went on to to win the title? It might have been Emmett. US he Open. does message us. He is very knowledgeable. Um, and that, so, that and thus, does that make Marin Cilic the favourite for this title? And the imagine, answer is no. Imagine if Marin no. Cilic won this title. Mm. Nobody's picked that one. Would that's, tennis still be not, the top performing sport in the Telegraph? It's not going to make the numbers happens. go gangbusters, that is it, Simon. <laughs> we, uh, the big oh. Marin piece. It, it, you'd ask him how he feels about Emma Raducanu, wouldn't you? This isn't bearing well I for the big piece tomorrow, he's got to write about Marin. Yeah, tomorrow who is going to talk about Emma Raducanu? That's, that's, that's my question from the Sunday. 
I mean, it's actually quite a good day, isn't it? I mean, the, 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 find out what Marin Chillis thinks. It's a remarkably uh, unbalanced opposite days. As it, it always is, isn't it? How it does often that is, yeah. It is. We're going to have to book you, book you in for Monday now. I think <laughs> could be a bit ropey. Anyway. Whatever the tennis, we'll be here to entertain you. Thank you for listening, as always. Thank you, Simon, for joining us. We'll speak to you all soon. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.